with you people because Alan's been talking the last few weeks on uh, uh, on faith and, and and grace and freedom. So I just wanted to recap a little bit and then bring it into this whole other um, section, which seems to be the opposite of of uh, seems to be the opposite of um, being served. It's actually serving others. Um, so, so Ellen's been talking about great faith um, that men ought, ought always to pray and never to lose heart. This talk gave the the, the, um, the talk on the two sons. The two sons, one one was a son that ran away, took took the family inheritance, ran away. Uh, but both of those sons, neither of them realised the father's heart for them, and they neither of them realised that that nothing they did would change their father's heart towards them. That it was about the father being wanting the best for their sons, not about the sons having to please the father and thereby earn his acceptance or his grace or his provision. And so in our Christian lives, it's, and I understand Alan's been talking about this, it's, it's about God's more interested in us than we are interested in what he has for us, if you know what I mean. God's, God's got this plan that he wants to, this journey that he wants to take us on. And some of the time we miss it because we think we've got to earn it or we think somehow or, or, or other we're unworthy even though Jesus Christ has made us worthy. And so we talked um, two weeks ago on uh, being made right through the cross of Jesus Christ, that Jesus' blood was sufficient for us. So he, he made the comment, do we have to achieve or do we just receive? So there's these two ways of looking at it and it's all about how we think about it that changes everything. It's what we believe that we live out of. So if we get the foundation of our belief right, the actions will suit and, that, and they'll be appropriate for what we believe. And so if we think we have to earn our right to get to heaven, earn our right to be in God's favour, it's the wrong approach. It's not that it's necessarily not true because God loves people that serve him. He loves when people act according to, to what he's mapped out for them. But it's more about how we think about it. It's like, I am already forgiven. I am already acceptable. I am already made worthy before God. And living out of that then, I can then go and serve others out of just a sense of gratitude. Instead of a sense of God loves me, how can I not? You know, why would I want to do anything else except love others, love God? And and I think it's it's our failure to realize that God loves us so much that we are unable to receive from Him. It's almost like there's a blockage there; it stops us getting the full content that of what He wants to give us. And so, uh, um, so some of the best work that the Holy Spirit does is, uh, and it actually says in John that the work of the Holy Spirit is to believe in the one he sent. And that's God's work in our lives. That's God working at work in our lives. He's causing us to believe. And out of that foundation of belief then we can then go and be the people that he's called us to be. If we come and come at it from the other angle, oh God says I've got to do this, I've got to behave a certain way, I've got to go to church every week, I've got to go to prayer group and Bible study and then this, this, this and it all becomes about a set of pastimes it's the wrong focus and the wrong motivation mind you don't stop coming to church 
It's great and it's awesome that everyone comes together because you're able to, in church you can share with each other, you can build each other up and encourage each other in your faith. And so then last week um, uh, he talked, um, Alan talked about grace from um, Colossians 5, 16 to 18. He says we're at war. There's the human side of us and then there's the spiritual side of us that's in God and these things are at war. There's this battle that's playing out. Where our flesh wants to do one thing, but the Holy Spirit inside of us wants to do wants us to do something else, and there's this war that that goes on. Uh, and and so he had three main points out of that. He said, just keep moving forward, keep keep walking in the right direction. That was his first point. Number two, accept the victory. So we don't have to get the victory; we just simply enforce it. So a policeman, when he goes out on his beat, he's not overly concerned about defending what the law says. He doesn't have to account for the law. He just goes out and enforces it. He already knows the set of rules. He goes out and enforces them. Is that, is that right? And so if, if a policeman pulls you over and, and uh, you, know, you were speeding and, and I go, well, I, I think the rules should be changed. You're not going to have that argument with a policeman, are you? The policeman simply says, no, this is what the law says. And so uh, when, when God says he's gained us the victory through dying on the cross for us, that's the end of it. No further judgment or dispute will be entered into. That's the final say. And so who are we to say, if we haven't repented and, if we've, re- if we've repented and confessed and brought something to God, we are free. We are forgiven. There's nothing it's an immutable law. It's a law of God that he's put in place, that he's paid the price for our sin and therefore we're okay with him. We're made right with him. And that's, that's a powerful thing. I don't know that many of us know how much we're forgiven. I don't know that we get that full revelation of it because we'd love more if we knew how much we were forgiven because he who is forgiven much will love much. Anyway, so that's just reflecting back. And so... Um, Understanding that we don't have to earn anything, we now turn to Matthew 25, verse 31, the parable of the sheep and the goats. Uh, I wonder if uh, you can even find that on the screen. Is that possible, please, Luke? Matthew twenty five thirty one, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. He will set the sheep on his right but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, the sheep, Come you, blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in? Or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it, to one of the least of these, your brethren, you did it to me. And then he will also say to those on the left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. 
He's talking to the goats now. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. I was naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them and say, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. Now the most horrible verse, and these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And so it would appear from this, it's all based on what we do. It would appear that way, wouldn't it? But wouldn't it just backtrack, go back to that foundation that we, that Alan's been building of grace, and that God has made us right with him, and there's nothing we can do to earn that grace. Freely provided. And so then it's almost like there's these two opposites going on. But it's not really. Because God's plan in the beginning was that He would show us through Jesus Christ His love, His deep love for each one of us, and that we would absorb and receive that love, and that would make the change for us. And it changed, and literally, if you receive God's love, it will change you into a different. Person. I won't take away your personality or anything like that. There's some stuff that God's already planted in us that He's designed that will come out in our lives anyway. But it changes our whole, our whole motivation to, to why we do things. And if we can get up every morning and say, you know what, God, I love you so much. You've been so good to me. What can I do for someone else today? And out of that heart, out of that kindness that God's planted in our hearts, just to live out of that and, and let it occupy our thoughts and, and our minds as we go through the day. And, and that's what God encourages us to praise Him and to be thankful to Him and to worship Him because each of those actions will deepen the kindness that God places in our hearts and will deepen our empathy. Um, last, week in, um, last year in National Others Week, I, I had um, made the uh, little vow to myself there. If I pulled up at a garage to fill up my tank, I'd wash anyone's windscreen that wanted the windscreen wash. Yeah. And so I pulled up behind this lady, she's in this dusty Subaru, and she got out and she looked like she was going to attack me. <laughs> and, I, and I started to approach her car and I said, excuse me, would you like me to wash your windscreen? And I think her first thought was, this guy wants a little bit of money off me. Said, oh, no, 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 I don't want, don't come, don't come near me sort of thing. And, and I said, oh, look, Look, there's no strings attached. It's National Others Week. I'd just love to wash your windscreen for you. And uh, she said, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay. Anyway, I forced myself on her, which you don't normally do, but sometimes the Lord just leads you. And so anyway, I grabbed the thing and started washing the windscreen and did the back windscreen as well. And um, this lady just about cried. She went in and told the attendant, in tears, this guy's cleaning my windscreen. That's so good. And she came out and she said to me, you know what, if, if that had happened to me at the beginning of today, I would have done the whole of today differently. She said, I, um, I've had someone be mean to me and I've just decided that the whole of humanity is at war with each other and I'm going to be one of them sort of thing. And, uh, and so just from a simple act of kindness, something different has made a change in someone else's life. And that's what this whole week is about, about doing something for someone else. And outside, maybe outside what you would normally be comfortable with, 
And uh, uh, so in Casino, we, we had, um, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, Global Care very, very much, but there's a mascot for Global Care called Bluey. It's this big blue bear. And so we put Bluey out on the main street in Kyogle in Casino, giving out coffee vouchers, free coffee vouchers, for, um, a couple of cups of coffee. And um, just people's reaction was amazing. Just, you know, something for nothing. And why are you doing this? And, you know, it's National Others Week. just want people to be kind to each other and let that spread, you know. There's another whole movement in America called Pay It Forward and there's a, a movie about that as well, um, which is quite inspiring. Um, and so that's God's heart for us. He laid down something for us up front. He laid down some someone for us up front that cost him everything, not knowing if, he, if we would ever turn to him in a sense. He's, he's given his own son and just said, there's my son I give him to, to the, as a gift to the world. And I'm going to do it up front whether you believe on him or not. I'm going to do it up, I'm going to give something of great worth to me. And that's the very heart of God. And if we can catch that same heart, then it lives in us as well. It's, it's, a, it's the Spirit of God living in us, that, that whole thing that says, you know what, even though it's going to cost me, I'm going to give something. Of myself, if if it, if it, if I get slapped in the face for it, well, that's okay. I've given it, knowing that that might happen. And that's the life that God's challenged each one of us to live. Are we going to give something that's no strings attached? Are we going to give something that we're willing to give, even though we don't know what the outcome is going to be? Obviously, we're going to sow in the areas where there's going to be some return. But there's also going to be times when God calls us to love the unlovable. There's going to be times when God says, go and do that for this person, even though they're going to hate you for it. I know some people that have um, come to salvation, there was one guy who was the um, the CEO of a pacemaker company. But on the side he had this whole prostitution business running. And uh, and uh, Christians would come to him and, and, and be kind to him and talk about God and he'd just push him away. He says, but you know what, I remember every single person and their name and what they said. I remember everything because he eventually came to Christ, gave up the prostitution. We actually got into jail and he rang this one guy who was a Christian Jew and he'd been ministering to him in the, the he played racquetball. It was his favourite game because he was into rackets and he was also good at racquetball. Uh, and, and this uh, one Jewish Christian guy had come to him and said, hey, you know what, um, he said, well, you're a Jew, why are you playing racquetball on, on the Sabbath? And he said, well, it's okay, I, I don't have to live by the rules anymore because, and I don't have to, um, uh, to be in a certain place at a certain time because Jesus has already paid for my sin. And uh, anyway, so when the fellow went to jail, he got his one phone call and he rang this Jewish guy, Jewish Christian guy, and, uh, he said, uh, oh, look, I'm in a bit of a trouble. And, and so the guy just, Continued to minister him, visited him in jail. Eventually, uh, he was released, and, uh, and and so the story goes. But we can be kind to people. We can change their life because of the God who lives in us, not because oh, if I don't do so X Y Z, so many number of good things, I won't go to heaven. I'll get cast into the lake of fire. It's whole different motivations. It's God loved me enough that He sent Jesus so that I wouldn't have to go there. End of story. Now, because of that, I love so much that I want to say. It's, it's just a whole different way of looking at it.
Ah, I've got so many verses I could do this morning, but um, let's not go over time. Proverbs 19.22 says, What is desired in a man is kindness, and a poor man is better than a liar. So Solomon, King Solomon, who was supposed to be the wisest man in the whole world, said that what is desired in a man is kindness. People don't care about so much as what you can tell them as whether you how they, they remember how they made you, how you made them feel. Remember who you were to them rather than what you did to them so much. In Proverbs 31, 6, uh, 26, the virtuous wife, she opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. And, uh, and I thought about this. What could the law of kindness be? And there's, there's, um, just a couple of little, uh, three-way question. Is it helpful? Is it true? Is it fair? It's just, could be, maybe that's the law of kindness. You know, just simplicity. Don't say anything that's going to be hurtful. In Proverbs 11.25 it says that, that the man who waters others will be himself be watered. Anyone want to get watered? It's still like a nice healthy plant. Yep. I want to get watered. And then God says to us from Isaiah 54 verse 8, He says, With a little wrath I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on you, says the Lord your Redeemer. And in verse 10 he goes on to say, My kindness shall not depart from you. We want to live out of that kindness, hey? Uh, if it's, it says in Matthew 7, 7, If we don't forgive others, neither will our Heavenly Father forgive us. It says this part of kindness is forgiving others that have hurt us and, and, and not continually, continually backtracking to years ago when they said this and then Five years before that they said this and five years before that they said this and this person's betrayed me and this person's hurt me so much. And, and yet God's just saying, hey, I've forgiven you. Will you forgive them? And, and we don't have to be their best buddy and sit in their pocket, especially if they're still continuing to be toxic, but there's a call for us to be forgivers, even as God has forgiven us. And you know what? I, I want to get to heaven and God say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've forgiven those people that hurt you. Well done, because of the kindness that lives in you because it came from God. In Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. In Ephesians 2, 7-10, that God would show us the exceeding riches of his grace in kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Ephesians 4:32, Be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving towards one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. That's just a scriptural summary of what I've just said. Colossians 3, 12, We are called God's elect. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. I might finish today with a story. It's a, not like out of this book that 
This one's from 1868, I just thought I'd show that off today. How cool is that? It's 150 years old, nearly. God's everlasting word, but this is just a fable. It's called The Man Who Was Never Happy. I'm going to finish with this today. There was once a man who was always sad. Nothing could please him. He wasn't interested in anything, and so he had no idea what to do with his life. He decided to go and see a, ho- um, a prophet. He set out on his journey and passed through a forest where he met a very lean and hungry wolf. He met the wolf. The wolf asked him where he was going, and when he heard he was going to a prophet, the wolf said, Will you ask him for me? Why I'm always so hungry and can never get enough to eat. The man agreed and walked on through the forest and began climbing the mountain. On the mountain path was a spindly tree with withered branches. We've got number two is the tree, the wolf in the tree. And it called out to the traveller, If you are going to the prophet, will you ask him for me why my branches are so withered? Why I'm not growing tall and strong like the other trees? The man agreed to do so and walked on until it got dark. And when he realised he wouldn't reach the cave of the holy man that day, he saw a light ahead, and so he knocked at the door of a small farmhouse. A young woman, number three, a young woman opened the door and offered him a bed for the night. During the evening, they talked together beside the fire, finding each other very pleasant company. When she heard he was to visit the prophet, she said, "Will you ask him for me? Why it is that I'm so lonely?" Agreeing to do this. He set off early the next morning to the cave of the prophet. The path was rough and rocky, but the man finally found the cave. He asked the prophet why it was that he was so sad and he couldn't get on with his life. The holy man replied, Everything that pleases you is there waiting for you. The man asked about the wolf and the tree and the young woman and received answers for them as well. The man now had hope in his heart and was impatient to get back to his life to see what was waiting for him. He rushed down the mountainside and as he passed the farmhouse, the young woman was waiting for him. Wait, wait, what did the holy man say for me? Oh, yes, replied the man. He said if you got married, you wouldn't be alone. I would like to get married, said the young woman. But up here I don't meet too many men. But I like you. Would you marry me? The man was in a hurry, but he replied, I like you too, but I've got to find the things that are waiting for me in my life. I'll be back when I have some time. Now, rushing down the mountain path, he came to the withered tree which called out to him, What did the prophet say for me? Ah, yes, replied the man, I remember. Your branches wither because there is a treasure chest buried under your roots, blocking your growth. The tree said, Please, will you dig it out? Wouldn't you like to have the treasure? begged the tree. Yes, I would like some treasure, but I haven't got time right now. I have to get back to my life to find out what is waiting for me. And the man ran on down the mountain and into the forest. There the hungry wolf was waiting. What reply have you got for me? He asked the, uh, the wolf asked him. Ah, uh, yes, said the man. He says you should eat everything in front of you. And so the wolf did. I hope you remember this story. Let's play that out. That could have played out a different way, couldn't it? Could have met the young woman gone. Yes. Would you marry me? And then 
come with me, I know of a little treasure that we've got to dig up. Go down to the tree and dig up the treasure. And then have money to get married and have a wonderful life together. And then for the wolf, well, we'll go out and buy him some food. <laughs> we'll buy him a carcass he can eat. You know. But uh, I wonder if in our everyday we get so busy that we don't stop to show the kindness to people that is actually the very reason that God has called us. And he's actually the part of our very purpose that we're here for. Amen. Amen. Let's pray this morning. You can come up for prayer if you you'd like some prayer just regarding just maybe removing some blockage you feel it's uh, spiritual blockage that's in the road of you um, stepping into what God's called you to. But otherwise we're going to pray and go. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you've called us to be kind to each other, called us to be sheep and not goats, to be the ones that are serving, but, but not out of a sense of duty, not out of a sense of being scared of hellfire, None of those things, God, but instead to understand what Jesus has already done for us and given to us and supplied to us. And Father, if we're not in a good financial position at the moment, Father, I pray right now over this church, Lord God, that you'd help to turn things around and help to bring our um, condition back into alignment with what you have for us, God, that we'd have enough to pay the bills and plenty to give away. And so, Father, I pray that for each one here this morning, Lord God, I pray where there's a spiritual blockage, Lord God, where there's unforgiveness, Lord God. Father, I, I pray that each one would be able to just let go. Let go of that hurt, to let go of that betrayal, to let go of that offence that was caused. And Father, to step in instead to kindness, the place of just living out of the love of God. Father, we, we honour you this morning. We, we want to be your servants, but we also, most of all, want to be your friends to know you so deeply, to know your love so powerfully that it changes everything we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's go. Please stay around.